I'm Mark Dolan, and this is Headliners, your first look at tomorrow's papers. Tonight, in the company of the brilliant comedians Sajila Kershey and Diane Spencer. But let's start with tomorrow's front pages. And we start with the Daily Mail. Home to her family. Her coffin brightly lit as evening fell. The Queen arrived home at Buckingham Palace for the final time earlier this evening. Also, Robert Hardman, a brilliant royal biographer writing in the mail, says it's not too late to change rigid plans and let millions more of us bid the Queen farewell. I'm just currently reading his biography of the Queen and it's an absolute masterpiece. Uh, let's have a look now at the Daily Telegraph, who are leading with the final homecoming. Family allowed to grieve in private as Coffin arrives at Buckingham Palace after journey from Scotland. Of course, thousands uh, awaiting the arrival of um, the late Her Majesty Queen Elizabeth II uh, at Buckingham Palace in the capital. Next up, The Guardian. Uh, anger as Charles staff told they may face redundancy and queue to see lying in state could stretch for five miles. Uh, crowds watch as the Queen's coffin arrives at Buckingham Palace last night. Uh, of course, that's referring to earlier this evening. These are tomorrow's papers. Uh, after it was flown to RAF Northolt in London from Edinburgh. Uh, also breaking away from the Queen, uh, The Guardian are covering a political story. Johnson's junk food rules under threat as Truss targets red tape. A reminder uh, that the daily grind of politics is, is not far away. And next up, we've got the Financial Times. Businesses face delays to access £150 billion energy support package. And another concerning headline, US inflation rises more than expected, sparking predictions of a hard landing. Next up, we've got the Daily Mirror. Led home by lights of love. Crowds guard of honour as Queen arrives for last night at the palace. The Times, similar photograph, home to rest, uh, with the wonderful quote from the Princess Royal, Princess Anne, of course, the Queen's daughter. I was fortunate, says the Princess Royal, to share the last 24 hours of my dearest mother's life. It has been an honour and a privilege to accompany her on her final journey. So I'll be talking about Princess Royal, the, the, the Queen's daughter, Princess Anne, on my show when I return on Friday night for Mark Dolan tonight. Uh, Daily Express now, home for one last time. Mourners in their thousands cheer and clap as the Queen arrives at the palace. And last but not least, the Sun newspaper, welcome home, ma'am. In the pouring rain, the Queen arrives home for the final time last night. Her coffin was driven into Buckingham Palace to be greeted by King Charles, Camilla, William, Kate, Harry and Meghan. Another deeply moving image in, in what continues to be a, a mournful and sorrowful time for the country. And those are your headlines. We kick off with the front page of the Daily Express and Her Majesty is home, Sajila. Yeah, can I just say, before we start, um, this is a real honour to be able to do like a tribute show for Her uh, Majesty. 
the Queen, and it's been quite emotional for me. I know we've, we've, we've got different, you know, kind of ways of looking at grief, but we're going to talk about it later. So um, I'm going to kick off the first story. Do you care to tell me, if it's not an obvious question, yeah. why it's been emotional for you? Um, because I think when there is a huge loss like this to the nation, she wasn't just like... So I've had, like, all my family contact me. They're, they're global. They're all over the you know, world and different nationalities. And, you know, they, they're phoning up and saying, oh, really sorry to, you know, just want to pay our respects because I, I think we're the closest they know. And I have had afternoon tea at Buckingham Palace. So, uh, and and my grand aunt, who was really important to me, all the big women in my life that were important, um, you know, generations back, even going back to, you know, uh, uh, you know their homelands, they all loved the Queen, always been constant. And um, so for her to go, it also brings up your own grief, I think. That's what it is. I think yeah. that we saw that with Diana. Because it was such an orphan, she was young. It was a different thing. We knew she was, we knew that, and I think we talked about this in the show, mm. that, you know, she wasn't going to be around forever, but it just felt a little, still a bit of a shock that she had gone. Yeah. Um, and I think it just triggered previous griefs that we've had, but also the unknown. We are in such uncertain times. And I have to say, I don't know about you, Diane, but I think, Charles is actually, I take back what I said, I think he's really stepped up. I think he's, you know, they scrubbed up well, but he's sounding like a king. You know what I mean? He's sounding like hmm. he is, he could lead, you know, lead us. And, but I just think, I also think she made a great sacrifice. Everyone thought she should abdicate, but I think she actually did her child a great service. Yes. She knew the sacrifices she had to make and she let him live his life the way that he wanted to live it. And actually, that was the kindest, most loving thing she could have done. And I don't think people saw that before, that she actually saved him. I think that's a really fair point. And that very smooth, elegant transition by which he became king, of course, under terribly sad circumstances. But, you know, if the Queen had stepped down early, then perhaps Charles in a few years would be under pressure to do the same. Whereas now, this guy that's been king in waiting for decades mm is prepared for the job and and he's got a great legacy. He can pick up on where the Queen left off. Yeah, but also having lived his life, you know, more on his terms than he would have done had he taken the crown when he was younger like his mother. Yeah. I mean, she really did have to sacrifice Well, perhaps a this is a real, you know, positive in, in what is ultimately a very sad story, Diane, which is that the King is very prepared for this role now. He's had years to think about it and get ready. Yes, and I, I think what's important to note is that we do have working royals. There are, there have been many uh, kings and queens throughout the ages who have not been working royals. They have sort of sat literally in a palace and done pretty much nothing. Yeah. Uh, but this, our royal family, they don't. They get mm -hmm. out there, they meet people, they... Uh, create charities, they do lots of work, and they interact with the public, and they they work, they do work. Like, over over 300 engagements a year. Which is incredible, I mean, what a gig list. I yeah. mean, that, good yeah, grief. Yeah, that's better than our gig list. Oh, it's way better than our combined gig list. So, so like, she was yeah. hardcore gigging the yeah. whole time. Yeah. And now, like you said, I never thought about it that way, that she's given him, like, by continuing, she gave him a lot of extra time, mm. you focus on your charities, you do your thing, because the second you've got this job, that's it, mm. you, you're there. Well, indeed so, and he is back at work, isn't he, Diane? Because, uh, of course, the Daily Mail reporting that 
he's gone straight to Northern Ireland in, in order to, I guess, hammer home his commitment to the union. Yes, I mean, definitely. Now, so this is his first visit, uh, King Charles III's first visit since becoming the monarch, and the public reception has been absolutely brilliant. It's been overwhelming. So there's been people uh, cheering, long live the king. There's been everybody from sort of uh, Girl Scout guides to um, local business people, local residents. Everybody's just sort of turned up. And there's been this really great feeling uh, of, of warmth and connection. And there's been an acknowledgement of what, uh, Queen Elizabeth started. And what she started was that healing process. And she did something that many monarchs never have ever did. She's actually said, you know, there, there are sometimes you look back in the past and you wish things had been done differently or not at all. Yeah. What a mm, thing for mm, someone mm. in her position mm. to say. It's incredible. So uh, they went there and uh, they um, met... Many, many people, uh, many people from all over the strata. Of and, and politicians of all political hue. They did. And, they and did. this is the point of the monarchy, that the monarchy can unite, can unite people, unite the population and unite politicians, as we saw the Queen do during the Northern Ireland peace process. Yes, which was incredible. Incredible, considering so much, including that she lost a relative and she still... Yeah realised that, you know, her pain was everybody else's pain. And that moment of incredible diplomacy when she appeared uh, in the Republic of Ireland in emerald green and shook hands with the former Commander-in-Chief of the IRA, yeah. Martin McGuinness. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, that's although the Queen or, and, and now King Charles were never politicised, they do have a hugely powerful, potent diplomatic role. Mm, they do. And, and for her to do that, given, obviously, Lord Mountbatten, you know, that was, that's almost like, I'm not saying that they're the enemy, but it's like forgiveness. Mm. And that's a really big message to give out, that if she can do that, knowing, and Charles as well, because he was beloved, you know, uh, uncle to him. So he was a big... Yeah, Lord, Lord Mountbatten was, yeah. was his mentor yeah, and absolutely. second father, really, a father figure. Yeah. And so for him to go over now, and I, my heart went out to him today. It really did. I mean, he's... He's, he looked exhausted. So grief is exhausting. You know, it's re 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 you're so tired. Yeah. And then he's having to do this tour, meeting with people, making sure his family's okay. You know, having to address his 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 uh, uh, you know advisors. He's doing a lot. A we lot. were worried about going through this without any ad breaks. Yeah, and, and this is one hour. And he looked <laughs> exhausted. Yeah, and, yeah, he did. And he and they. I don't know if you saw the bit where he's there's him in. Um, so it's the Queen. Queen Consort. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Standing... Although we can call her Queen Camilla. We they are they are officially okay. King and Queen. Because I don't want to say the wrong things, you know, because I'm still calling him. You, you've Prince got to be Charles. so careful, I Yeah, know. yeah. <laughs> so um they're standing in front of the two kind of royal chairs. They look like little crowns. And he looked tired and he looked like he just wanted to have a little sit down, but then he listened to the lovely um you know uh, 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 memorial that they gave about his mother, yeah. all the lovely words that they said. And, and he, I just, I just, my heart went out to him. He just looked absolutely shattered today. That's exactly right. And, and he's had a couple of human moments, which I actually encourage, you know, because I want to see the real king. I don't think we need an artifice here. Um, quite irritated with the pen that didn't oh, work. Yes. Uh, he'd also <laughs> forgot the date. I mean, who wouldn't? He's just lost his mother. He has yeah. barely had any sleep. A huge logistical challenge organising his mother's funeral, plus the small matter of being the king of the United Kingdom and Northern Ireland. So he's going through a lot. Um, uh, however, he'll be rewarded with extraordinary scenes 
on Monday because fans are already camping out mm. to say goodbye to our, our previous yeah, so monarch. This is, this is from the Daily Mail and um, th th there's fears, and I don't know why it's a fear, but 650,000 mourners waiting in 35-hour queues to see the Queen's uh, coffin in London. They could be turned away in the line if it gets up too, too big. And I think it's trying to stop people from going into London. But I think this is one time where actually, you know, I, I can see why people want to go. So one, just to put it in perspective, one million people, I think, attended uh, Diana's funeral back in 1997. And they're expecting similar for the Queen, if not more. Yeah. And um, they're saying that uh, officially, I think Westminster Hall has the capacity for 350,000 to pay respect to the Queen based on it being open 24 hours a day from 5pm tomorrow till 6am Monday, uh, the day of her funeral. But... <laughs> the reality is between 750,000, 1 million people are expected to pay tribute to, and so 650,000 could actually miss out. Yeah. Um, and while others are going to be still struggling on the trains, of course, you know, trains are putting on more services and stuff. Uh, and I think they're probably trying to keep the numbers down. However, if everybody is going to do... I'm, I'm thinking of going, actually. I was saying to Diana, you know, before I was, I was thinking... It might yeah. be one of those historical moments that I think yeah. I would like to do. Well, I mean, if you go, I would say you definitely need to be prepared. Uh, you definitely need marmalade to... sandwiches. Marmalade sandwiches, preferably a chair and a flask of hot. A soup. flask of hot toddy. Oh, Ooh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, something that you know that she'd appreciate. Yes, yeah. and um, she likes gin. Apparently, we're having a gin party for her. Oh, that's lovely. Yeah, yeah, definitely do something she'd like. I think it liked. was gin. I think it was the Queen Mother, du like, like Dubonnet, yeah. Dubonnet, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I would, yeah, definitely do that if you're planning to go, give it a go. But always remember, you can, um, you can express yourself in your own way. And there is, there is nothing to sort of stop you from getting together with other people nearby. Maybe um, if you want to, you can set up your own little vigil or something like that, and you can have your own candles. And um, I know that there are some amazing people near my neighbourhood who uh, sew the crochet letterbox toppers. Wonderful. Oh, they are so They're cool. sensational. And um, I had my money in you doing that, you know. Oh, I like wish you I like could crochet. No, thought, mine, would be, mine would be made out of felt and they'd melt. <laughs> uh, but they did for the Jubilee. There was this, oh, stunning ones for the Jubilee. Like there was one with a little queen and a little soldier and stuff. Like I, I can imagine that probably in their group, they may want to do some sort of little like memorial thing mm. of their own, sort yeah. of little bunch of flowers or something. You know, you can express yourselves in many different ways and it all counts. It's all valid. If you don't manage to get there, it doesn't mean That's that your true. sentiment was any less valid. That's Most true. certainly not. And, no. of course, there will be wall-to-wall -wall coverage of this very sad occasion on GB News. You won't miss a moment as we acknowledge arguably the greatest monarch in our history. That will, of course, be all day on Monday. And we will preview this very sad occasion on Mark Dolan tonight on Sunday at nine. Um, now, let's talk about the logistical challenge and The Guardian have written at length about this. Well, yes. Uh, so the logistics of the Queen's funeral is the equivalent to hundreds of state visits, officials say. And these are hundreds of state visits all happening at once. So obviously, when you have one state visit, you have to organise security, uh, the cars, you have to sort of, you, you know, chat to people and say, right, OK, so how many people are you bringing? What do you want to do? But we're going to have about 500 people from all over the world. Like, nearly every single head of state is going to be 
in England. In one place. In one place. I really hope Batman is watching over us. Yes, I know, you have to keeping hope. us safe because it's, it's going to be quite intense. <laughs> yeah. Um, so the Foreign Office has transferred an extra 300 staff onto the task. I mean... We're going to need a bigger ship. We're going to need a bigger <laughs> ship. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. <laughs> They're definitely going to need some extra office space. Uh, there's a lot of hot desking going on in the Foreign <laughs> Office at the moment. Um, because obviously... You've got so many pe different people coming to pay their respects. I mean, it really shows you, yeah. like, throughout her reign, what a reach she had. Mm -hmm. and, and and she met all these different people. So it's going to be quite uh, quite interesting. And, and there's also um, a UN General Assembly in New York the following day. And um, I... I don't know whether this was on purpose or not, but some guests are going to sort of attend the funeral and then they're going to literally have to quickly fly across the world to attend this um, meeting in New York because these are world leaders. You I know, that's like Phil Collins when he doubled up. What? At, right. um, Live Aid. Live Aid, yeah. Oh, what like, happened? Because he did, like, he did a gig in London, mm. Live Aid, and then he flew over by Concord when Concord was a thing still. And That's then right. Now become a thing and, and it was again. when Phil Collins was a thing as well. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Phil Collins, <laughs> she's looking at us like, who's, who's, who is this? Who is I'm this dinosaur bad. relic? <laughs> as dinosaur-y as us. <laughs> well, there you go. There's another national treasure, good old Phil Collins. Uh, speaking of um, celebrities and public figures, um, do we know who's going to be attending? I mean, we know as you mentioned all of those world leaders. Oh, but yeah. Some of the most famous people in the world will be there too. Okay, so if you would like to check out who is going to be on the guest list, uh, then the Times have um, printed what their expected guest list is. Um, now, uh, they have a list of attendees, including President Biden, Jacinda Ardern from New Zealand. We've got the Australian Prime Minister. We've got uh, Canada. We've got King Felipe and Queen Letizia from Spain. Lovely. Which is lovely. Um, we've got uh, presidents from all over the place. We've got um, Monaco. We've got Prince Albert and Princess Charlene. So there's a real... I'm sorry, if I've not mentioned you, don't take it personally. Uh, so we've got a massive list. Um, it's going to be interesting. I don't know who's gluten-free and I don't know who's vegan. No, that's so, a headache. Yeah, that is going to be a massive headache. I think everybody gets a plus one. Uh, obviously, there's a couple of people who are not coming mm. uh, because of... Uh, various world issues. Like, for example, I do not believe that President Putin is coming. OK. Uh, which is quite understandable. Yeah, but he sent his condolences. He did send his condolences, which was very nice. Hmm. Um, and but it's He's a bit busy at the moment, isn't he? Hmm. He's yes. having to revise his military plans slightly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's, um, he's back on the maps thinking, OK, well, no, let's... Let's try a different strategy, busy shall we? There, yeah. yeah. Well, well, this is yeah. actually in a break with diplomatic protocol. So, mm. so normally you would sort of say, uh, "Oh, well, I know this is going on, but you must come over yeah. anyway." But they have decided uh, in Whitehall that um, no, we're gonna no. You, thank you for your condolences, sir. But um, uh, no. I, yeah, thanks, but no thanks. I, yeah. I would have thought also the the good and the great of of. The media will, will be present, mm. um, probably a couple of famous actors, uh, some sports stars, uh, perhaps from the world of racing, I think it's inevitable. Mm. Um, oh, you know, do you think Lewis rugby, Hamilton's football. Going? Well, who knows, you know, uh, or, or even Elton John, who has been quite close yeah. to the royal family for many years and, of course, sang at the Queen's Jubilee. So I think there'll, the ones, there'll be a few yeah. celebs there too. I think all the ones from the Jubilee will probably go because they were her 
like you know she was she was fans of their work. Yeah. Um, I, I I'm disappointed that when when some of them have said they they won't come, um, Iran has said no. That makes me really angry. They haven't even sent any condolences. And this is it's it's like any any bereavement or any funeral. You don't remember who's there. But after the event, when the dust settles, you always remember who was absent and why. And, and I, this is an opportunity mm. for the world to come together, put all the differences aside, and perhaps use this opportunity to bring us to closer together. So it saddens me that some of them haven't, but there are also some dodgy ones on the list as well. You know, the Brazil, <laughs> Brazil, Brazil Prime Minister. Yeah, they're going to take more than one, <laughs> one pudding. You know that. Yeah. They're not, they're not, they're not yeah. team players. Yeah. So. Count the knives and forks when they leave. Yeah, yeah. Uh, let's, uh, let's have a look at uh, rehearsals that are, are, of course, being played out as we speak, Sajila. This reported in The Sun. Yeah, this is really touching. So uh, this is a story in The Sun, poignant moment where King's Guard rehearsed for fu uh, Queen's funeral as they marched towards Westminster in emotional scenes. Mm. So, I mean, presumably they have been uh, preparing this for a long time. Um, their early morning practice, which is known as Operation Lion, uh, saw a black coffin placed on a hearse-drawn carriage to the King's Troop Royal House Artillery. Okay. Um, it was then marched from there to, uh, to, to Buckingham Palace, Westminster. I think a lot of people have seen this on TV already. Oh, you're watching the image now. Um, and uh, taking part in the procession, uh, uh, um, they said, was it's our last opportunity to do our duty for the Queen. Uh, this is a senior officer who said this. And his officers have put in their final preparations this morning before the procession took place. Um, and Major General Christopher uh, Gika of the Household Division, who's responsible for organising uh, these aspects of the funeral, says for everyone's, everybody on parade, it's a once-in-a-life opportunity it's a very sad day, but it's our last opportunity to do our duty for the Queen, and it's our first opportunity to do it for the King, and that makes us all very proud. So, um, yeah, great work, which is kind of the unsung heroes. Well, that's beautifully put. Uh, Wednesday's Daily Mail has some reaction to the Queen's passing from our neighbours in the Republic of Ireland. Yes, so um, the Queen's death is an opportunity to reset relations between Britain and Ireland following bitter Brexit disputes, the Irish Prime Minister Michael Martin has said, and this is from the Daily Mail. Mail, you can see the headline there, which reads, Irish PM Michael Martin says, Queen's death is a chance to reset relations. So um, the service was obviously held. We've seen, I don't know if you guys saw it at home, but I've been watching it during the day. Um, and the King and Queen Consort uh, were joined with Camilla, Queen Quilla, can we, I'm going to get tongue-tied with, Queen Camilla. It is a mouthful. Can we, yeah, can we just I'm go sorry straight for, with Queen Camilla? I, I would have thought even Charles is struggling with that one. Yeah, I mean, what, what is the consort? I don't know what, is that normal to put the consort in? I, I, I don't know, I, I should do No, well, I, I, think, I think, you know, she is the Queen, queen Consort, but that we're going to be calling her Queen, queen from here on in, yeah. Queen Camilla, yeah. So the King and the Queen, yeah. so basically that, that is who they are now, um, you know, went there. Now, obviously there's been sour grapes since Brexit happened. Mm. But can I just say, Brexit was not the Queen's fault. It's got nothing to do with King Charles now. And so that shouldn't be a thing. But it obviously um, Mr Martin in an interview with the BBC uh, at the moment suggested that it, it could be a moment to repair these, these relations. But... That's fine, but it's got nothing to do with the royal yeah, family. But it is similar to what you were saying earlier about Iran. Uh, because when you have the uh, death of somebody, it can bring people together yeah. or yeah. it can sort of fester 
uh, it can create resentment that festers. And I think that uh, the Irish PM is hoping to bring people together. And although, like, I understand you're kind of saying, yeah, but it's not their fault. This is a it's political like government thing. Or, this is a, it's actually a us. Thing. It's us. What do you mean it's us? Well, well it's the well, people. What the did people you voted. Do? I didn't vote. What have vote. you done now? I have. I didn't vote, but it's the people <laughs> that voted. So what I'm saying is that the people. Obviously, I know they represent us, so that's what their their role is. And yes, I agree. It it it, it is a chance to sort of men bridges, but I just have this horrible feeling a couple of weeks from now and everyone's going to forget this and it's all going to go back to being horrible again. Well, they might. Uh, do you know whether the Irish Prime Minister actually used the B word? Did he mention Brexit or did he just speak broadly about Anglo-Irish relations? When I was watching it, I didn't hear Brexit. Mm. But, but he, I guess you feel the, 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 the interpretation the, yeah. from the story in the mail is that that was the implication, right? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's kind of inferred, isn't it? Yeah. Like, I think... Um, and I think just general relations, and it could obviously be relating to, you know, previous stuff as well. Uh, but isn't that the magic role of our monarch to sell Britain abroad and to make us more popular you're by, right, by having the right. monarch going around and, and just, you know, basically being very regal yeah. and sprinkling, sprinkling their magic everywhere they go? Well, this is where, like, Queen Elizabeth, she did do that when she went to, like, you know, sort of tense sort of places and kind of won their hearts. Uh, and that was her, that she was very good at doing that. And then, of course, then Diana was even, you know, better. I mean, the, the whole yeah. Australia tour where, like, the Australians kind of like, had lost their love for the monarchy in a way, but she kind of won them over. And, of course, I'm getting this all from the, from the uh, crown. What? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> a famously accurate documentary about the royal yes, family is, on Netflix. Um, do you think, sorry, Diane, because, you know, there's great news. Uh, the latest polls suggest the public have a very high approval rating of King Charles III. And universally, he's won plaudits for how he's, he's uh, started. And um, he's spoken so well. Uh, he's going through a tough time. But uh, people are largely uh, admiring how he's handling this whole process. Um, is he box office? Does he have what the Queen's got or used um, to have? I think he is box office, but he's he is obviously uh, for many of our generation without wishing to be too silly, even though I am a comedian, so I, I can't help it. Um, he is a sequel. Uh, so obviously we want a lot from our sequels. Um, yeah. So, so is it The Godfather Part 2 or is it Jaws 2? <laughs> or is it Aliens, which was or Terminator 2, far <laughs> superior sequels. I mean, sorry, I didn't say it. But my point is, is that I think um, he will bring his own flavour to it, which is important because, uh, yes, they are, um, yes, it's the monarchy, but they're two completely different individuals. So it's going to be interesting to see what kind of king Charles is. Mm. Um, we um, saw what kind of Queen Elizabeth was. Everybody saw it. She was patient. She was kind, she was very humble, and she was very cheeky, which was lovely. And she also, she, she was super resilient, and she was able to put some really punchy words in when she needed to, but never overstepping the mark, something I've barely learned in my adult life. So she's done brilliantly there. And it will be interesting to see, he's had a brilliantly strong start. I'm not expe expecting plain sailing, because I think being in a monarchy uh, is difficult. Um, and it will be interesting to see um, how he goes on. Because let's also remember, he is going. He is the first person who has become king in England whilst we've had the internet and social media. Yeah. Never before have we had that. 
So never before have we had such access to the royal family. Never in our, in our, in our mad, mad long history. So how they navigate that, how they navigate the sort of court of public opinion, mm. rather than this sort of court where sort of Henry VIII is just pumping out pictures of himself going, look how great I am. Like, it, it's all happening in massive sort of super focus and internet time. Yes, I mean, one way that we may see a difference how Charles adapts is to be more tactile, more available to the public. Uh, not that the Queen was in any way austere, but he certainly in the last few days, he's been, you know, meeting well-wishers, shaking hands, hugging. He's had his hand mm. kissed many times. Somebody uh, kissed uh, him uh, as well. Well, that's exactly right, on the cheek. You know, so so um, I think that uh, the flavour, the flavour of the monarchy is about to change, and, and that's mm. as as it should be because whoever's whoever's uh, you know takes on that responsibility has got to do it their way. But clearly, with the templates of neutrality set by our great late Queen, um, and let's talk about the Commonwealth, uh, the Times raising the question of the future of the Commonwealth yes. post Elizabeth. So uh, the Times has led with a headline, King Charles warned he could face rush for the Commonwealth door. Mm. So uh, the idea is that um, the Commonwealth, which was formed in 1949, um, was in its infancy when the Queen took her throne in 1952. So you sort of had three years of the Commonwealth and then the Queen's there. And so for many people, the Queen was the Commonwealth. Mm -hmm. And they've sort of, this article asks the question, what is it for? And there, there are some people that say, well, it doesn't really do anything because, for example, the diver Tom Daly, he said, we were doing the Commonwealth Games, but many of the other countries, they still um, think that uh, homosexuality should is an arrestable offence. Yeah. So we don't necessarily have a lot in common with some of our Commonwealth uh, brethren. And um, obviously there have been, um, there, like when Wills and Kate uh, recently went on their tour, there were people who were saying to them, look, we're thinking of becoming a republic. And because for many, the Queen was the Commonwealth, uh, now that she has passed on, we uh, they are sort of thinking, well, what we, we're not sure what we're getting What's for our What's in it for us? And, and we, we don't even have this iconic... Um, mm. uh, figure at the, at, the, at the front of it. Yeah, so they're just kind of going, well, what's it for, really? That's, that's sort of the root of this article. Well, I think the Commonwealth literally was, you know, one of the Queen's kind of, like, the most wonderful things she did. Like, that, that was her baby. That was something that she was really proud of. And in on paper, it should be amazing because it should it, it's a leveller. So the whole point is that everybody who joins, no one's got more power. It doesn't matter whether, you know, you've got a richer country, smaller country, bigger country, everyone's equal on that. And I really, that's, you know, that, that's something I kind of really love. However, and I think this is, this is obviously telling that it, she had so much um, kind of power over this, 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 the Commonwealth and how everyone saw her as the figurehead, yeah. that maybe it is that it's, they can't see themselves going beyond with Charles and they kind of stayed with her. It would be a shame if it dismantled, but I don't know what Charles has. I mean, I don't know if this article sort of did. did, did he might win more medals. He might win more medals. Um, I, think I, I, think, I think that the, the uh, continuing existence of the Commonwealth is tied in with the continuing yeah. existence of the monarchy. I think yeah. they, they need each other. And I think that it will be number one. I mean, I think the two big things in Charles's 
intray King Charles III will be to preserve the union of the United Kingdom and Northern Ireland mm -hmm. and to preserve the Commonwealth. I think that if, if when he, um, when he, you know, hopefully many decades from now, shuffles off the mortal coil, if those two things are intact, he's done well. And I think that's probably his mother would have advised him as well. I'm sure, I'm sure she would have. Well, yeah, because, I mean, the Commonwealth, you know, it's not an overtly political organisation, is yeah. it? As you said, and it's very egalitarian. It's, it's a community of nations. And in principle, it's very favourable for everyone involved because it's a sort of private members yeah. club, isn't it? Of, yeah. of countries with a shared history. Um, there are favourable trade terms. Mm -hmm. uh, there's obviously the great sporting event of the Commonwealth Games. Mm -hmm. uh, diplomatic ties. I mean, it's supposed to be a positive thing, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it is. I saw, I've, always, I've always seen it as a positive thing, but obviously, like, countries, you want to leave it. You know, they've mm. got other... Like I said, it seems to be more not to do with the Queen, but more how is the future... And I think you've got a point there that, yeah. that they kind of are hand-in-hand hand without the monarchy they don't have. Do you, do you have a suspicion that some of those leaders of, of uh, Commonwealth nations that are pushing to be a republic are, are really just politicising this for their own domestic reasons? I, I don't know why they're doing it, because obviously they've got, they have got their reasons. Seems to be a, a populist technique in is certain it, I countries. Mean, I, don't, I don't see it as that. I think they, they, I think they believe they have, like, valid reasons. Mm. I don't know, you know, I don't know enough about it to sort of comment on whether they're right or wrong. Yeah. But I think it's important to hear them out. And maybe that's what, what Charles, yeah. you know, King Charles, I have to keep saying, King yeah. Charles will do. He will, you know, maybe be the, the listening voice and, and, and find a way to sort of meet in the middle ground somehow. Yeah, well, exactly. And that's got to be the hope, hasn't it? Wednesday's independent and she truly was a magnificent woman, Sajila. Yeah, um, independent. Yeah, let's have a look at this. This is uh, uh, in relation to her great quotes, oh, okay. her great yes. feminist moments. Oh, was, was she, was the Queen a feminist, a feminist icon? My God, of course she was. She, you know, she's the breadwinner, like, um, and she had her man walking five paces behind her, you know, like Muslim women have to walk behind their men. Uh, but no, she's, she's, she's amazing. Um, so, the, you know, obviously the, they're looking at the, the top things that she did. This is at, at number one, when she took Saudi King Abdullah for a spin in her Land Rover, right? Now this is really poignant because this is a leader of a country where women aren't allowed to drive. They weren't. They were, they were, they, sorry, they were. Now they're not allowed to drive. And so I was there, no, were they, they, they now? Yeah, yeah, they, um, uh, there was a royal decree 2017. Oh, you've done your research, I can tell. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah, 2017. But in 2003, she took him for a, a drive in her Land Rover. But could they, did they, were they allowed to drive in Saudi then? Back oh in gosh, then? no. So that's no, what I'm saying. No. So, so back in 2003, mm -hmm. they couldn't drive. That's what I mean. Yeah. So they couldn't drive then. So she, she was basically like, kind of like, hey, whoa, whoa, you know, look at me, got some moves. I and love like, the idea that she did donuts yeah. in a Jeep. Do you and, think and this was now. a sort of pointed, uh, moment well, yeah. from the Queen. So you say she's not was political. she rubbing their face in it? She's, slightly? You say she's not political. Was she making a point? But absolutely, you can you can you can say something so powerful without saying anything at all. Yeah. And that's what she did there. Um, and then uh, when she quietly oversaw the change in the royal rules of succession, mm. like it always has to be a male, you know, heir. But she's made it clear that it can be whoever's born first, whether yeah. it's male. How is that? Is the most feminist well, thing ever? Well, exactly. Perhaps the leader of Saudi Arabia was offered a choice of of the Queen or Prince Philip. He's like, I'll go with the Queen. Thanks very much. <laughs> yeah.
My favourite one is that she became the first female member of the royal family to join the armed services full time. Yeah. Uh, so she was a keen driver, uh, hence doing donuts mm. in the Jeep with King Abdullah next to her. And in 1945, she drove trucks, learnt how to repair cars in the Women's Auxiliary Territorial Service. Yes. Now that is important because I don't know about you, but I've been driving along and I have had a flat. It's just come out of nowhere. And do you know what? Being able to just, I, I pulled over to the side of the road, changed my tyre, made it to the gig on time. Wow, impressed. Well, Diane. that was the thing. Like, like I think that... Um, you need to learn how to keep your car going. You need to mm. learn how to change your tyres. And I love the fact that the Queen of England could do all that. Yeah, she was you know? fierce. <laughs> yes, Great I enough. mean, she she was a woman, certainly early in her, in her uh, tenure, in which the world was dominated by men. And yet she was one of the most powerful figures on the planet. And she didn't yell and scream about it. She no. just did it. Mm. And I like that. Yeah. I, li I like yeah. when people just do things and they don't necessarily like hold up the sign saying, I'm doing it. Yeah. She didn't start she every did sentence it. with, as a woman. <laughs> <laughs> wow. So, Although see, I'll, I'll be, be nice, honest. Mark. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, I'll be honest. It's, it's a sentence I quite often start with, yeah. as, as a woman. <laughs> Turning away from the late Queen for just a moment, uh, because uh, Fleet Street have some other stories for us, the small matter of a war in Ukraine. And uh, we've got an update, Diane. Yes, and um, it's a positive update. Mm. Uh, so... Ukraine has stepped up its offensive with a push east into Donbass. So uh, just to recap, uh, the east of Ukraine is the bit where they've had all these like weird fake uh, elections where they claim they've got this breakaway republic that's joining Russia and all this rubbish. Um, and what is really great is actually the uh, Ukrainian military uh, officials have said they've taken more than 3,000 square kilometres of terrain. And... Um, President Volodymyr Zelensky has said that actually they've liberated more than 6,000 square kilometres in the east and south. And this is so important because what has happened very recently is um, so uh, if Ukraine is sort of uh, here, this is my little uh, action. Oh, no one's looking at us. OK, doesn't <laughs> matter. Right. I'll sort of audio describe it. So Kharkiv is in the sort of top uh, right of Ukraine. And we're talking about, all oh, right, okay, so now people are looking. So top right, <laughs> uh, this is where Kharkiv is. And there's this motorway which sort of goes in a southwesterly direction. Um, and along here, you've got this little place called um, Izium and you've got this other little place called um, Lyman. And there's the motorway. Now, down here were two bits where the Russians were, those are their supply routes. And now Ukraine... And they've captured this land. So they've literally captured, they've nearly completely cut off the Russian supply routes, which is absolutely brilliant. So and that's a win then. It's a massive win. Yeah. It's, it's really great. And do you know what? Um, they're saying that it, it's, they've been using all the stuff that have been uh, given to them from the Western nations, uh, all the, uh, the aid, the lethal aid, like everything. And they're, they're pushing and pushing. So this is, this is great. They're, mm. they're putting Putin in a very difficult position because... The, 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 there's now actually been some um, officials in Russia. There were seven. Can you imagine being an official, like like a town official, like a like somebody who works for like the council, saying, "Actually, I don't necessarily agree with these special military operations." <laughs> Apparently, now there's twenty of them. So there's a there's sort of a a growing 
uh, do you really think we should still be doing this, boss? Sort of thing yeah. happening yeah. in Russia, which is great. Also, the internet has been rife with uh, clips on TV talk shows of commentators critical of Russia's war effort. That's on Russian TV, which, uh, as we know, is highly censored. So it seems like uh, things are shifting there uh, politically at home as well. On to Wednesday's Daily Mail, and we're going to turn to the British job market. And Sajila, largely good news. Yeah, um, kind of a roundabout way. So unemployment falls to its lowest level in um, almost 50 years, fueled by increase in people saying they are too ill mm. to work, as pay tumbles by 3.9% compared to inflation and job vacancies fall. So unemployment has fallen to its lowest in almost half a century. But the fall's been driven by increasing numbers of people saying that they're too ill to work. So they don't say why these people are ill. So we can only suspect that maybe it's long-term illness for maybe COVID-related. Uh, maybe it's depression, because I know like several people who've been off for long-term with you know mental health issues. Definitely. And again, that could be like a fallout of, of COVID. But also oh, the NHS backlog. Yes, the NHS backlog, which of course we were talking about earlier on. Mm. Um, and it, it's it's a weird it's a weird one because although we're Winning in a way, we're still we're not. You know, it's a weird, it's a weird kind of like juxtaposition of it is. Of, of of these two things happening simultaneously. Um, so, uh, and I will hand over to my learned colleague. Do you have any information? Would <laughs> <laughs> you like a job, Diane? <laughs> oh, I'd love a job, sir. Um... Please, sir. Well, you're not available. You're far too important to us here at GB News. I mean, look, this has been one of the few positives yeah. of the pandemic, of this yeah. current economic crisis, the cost of living crisis, which is that it hasn't been paired with unemployment. Mm. When we had big problems in the 70s and early 80s, it was high inflation and high unemployment. And, mm. uh, and I would suggest that inflation, although dreadful, is the lesser of two evils in relation to unemployment. Yes, because there is a chance that you can moderate what you're doing. I mean, I, obviously, ideally, you do want your wages to rise in line with mm -hmm. inflation because yeah. otherwise you are, you are just having to completely restrict yeah. how you live. Uh, which is something we have all had to do and we are still doing. Um, but having some money coming in is better than no money. But yeah, something really needs to happen to, to, to help, uh, help the situation of the people who are working getting paid properly so that they can live proper If there's lives. more jobs, can we not make them into like two jobs per person pay? Does that mass work out? What? Like, so how would that like, work? So there's more, jo so, so there's 20 jobs. Okay, this might not work out. I've only just yeah. thought so, of it. Look, so, so 20, 20 job jobs. vacancies. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and then we give 10 people <laughs> those 20 jobs. So they will have two jobs each, which means go. they get double the amount of money, right? Right. Is that oh, I see. Oh, I thought you were suggesting <laughs> double the work? workload for the oh, same yeah, money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So <laughs> You've become very right-wing tonight. What's happened to you? Oh, my God. Sajila. <laughs> no, I have not changed. I am hey, still... Sajila wants to bring back can... the workhouses. Yeah, I was going to say, <laughs> maybe we can have these big houses where we just put, like... Orphans and women in them. Okay, that was just a thought that probably should have stayed in my head, I'll be honest. <laughs> no, no, well, there you go. Um, well, look, it's largely a good news story, although why more people are not taking up those job vacancies is a conversation for another day. Wednesday's Guardian offering a polite reminder on the cost of living crisis, Diane. Yes, because we, we really all would like one. Um, yes, so um, the Guardian have gone with Liz Truss Energy and Tax Plan will give richest families twice as much support now. Um, I'm going to play the right-wing card here. 
I think this is I quite... hand it over to you. Well, thank you. I'll take... <laughs> well, you played it ever so well. Um, it's slightly worn. Um, so what is interesting is that uh, because of the reverse in the national... Uh, in uh, the national insurance... Hike, yeah. The hike, the uh, energy price guarantee, the means test one-off payment, the support for the houses. The, the, this article is saying that uh, the poorest tenth of people will have um, support of £2,200. Whereas the top tenth richest households will have support £4,700. Now, what percentage of those households' general budget is that money? Mm. Because actually, potentially, if you work it out in percentages, £2,200 to somebody who doesn't earn a lot of money is a massive help. Whereas £4,700 to somebody who does earn a massive amount of money might not be any, barely any help at all. So that, do you like... I, I see where you're card? going with that. Yeah. And I must admit, there was a part of me that did think along those lines. <gasps> and then the I card Mac? My, you know, no. And then I thought, no, I throw the card away because, <laughs> hang on a minute, right? I, it's, it's OK, but that smaller household has still been struggling yes. to make do with what they have. Mm. And so, yes, it might be seem a lot more money. And if the bigger household is, is not struggling, but they're getting this money that they don't really need as much, then that's still unfair. And, and whatever way you look at it, every government policy seems to screw over the most financially vulnerable. That's the, uh, the God's honest truth. I think that is a very interesting point because do you remember uh, during the pandemic, they delivered uh, boxes of toilet roll and biscuits and bread and things like that to the most vulnerable yeah. people. And um, you were given an option that said, if you don't want to receive it, just tell us. And a lot of people just said, no, we're fine. Thank you so much for thinking of us, but we are OK. Now, could there be the same sort of thing for the richest tenth people, like you said, if they don't need they the don't help? Need it. Is there a yes. chance that Genius. they can give yeah. it back? Yeah. And well, yeah, this was a debate we had yeah. during the furlough, furlough years yeah. in the I pandemic think... and bounce back loans, which were capitalised upon by, by many people, some of whom who didn't need them, but it's a cheap line of credit. Uh, the issue you've got, I suppose, is the wider economy and... First of all, it's simpler to give everyone support with their energy bills. It's just very easy to roll out this new cap of two and a half thousand pounds. Trust wants to have two this years. kind of yeah. win. This, and, I've done something. You know, some of these households, well, there might be middle income households, you know, which, which we perhaps a joint, a joint household income of 60 or 70,000, which is a healthy amount of money. But if you were to take two or three thousand pounds out of their annual budget because they've got to heat their homes, mm. that's money they won't spend on going to restaurants, buying clothes or going on holiday. So I guess overall, it's probably good for the economy for everyone to get help so they can spend cash and we can get growing again. I, I don't I don't feel I'm sold on that. I just feel like like recent like over the weekend, I, I went to the reduced section in you know, the yellow stickers. And I took a couple of things. There was loads of other pensioners going, oh, is there going to be a meat out? And I thought, no, I've just got the two bits of salad I need. Mm. That's fine. Ten pence each, by the way, if you're asking. And I shall leave the rest for those who will need it more than me. I don't need any more than that. And I'm I don't know about you, Dan, but I'm going to stick with that. I think we... We are the, the same. The other, the other flip like we, side. We only take what we need and not take extra. Sure. You're the other, the other issue we've got is an, an, expensive things, yeah. which, which those on the lowest echelons can't. For sure. Afford. But then the other, the other point is that the economy is is 
on its knees. It is. And we, we're, our economy, 65% of our economy is based on consumption. So we do need those who have got money to go out and spend and go shopping and, you know, be economically active. And I'm sure that this will probably help. But uh, look, it's an interesting debate and one that will no doubt continue. Uh, let's go back to the Queen, our late great Queen Elizabeth II. And this in The Independent, uh, Princess Anne has made history, Sajila. Uh, Princess Anne. I like Princess Anne. Wonderful. I've always liked her. She's 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 cool. Um, so Princess Anne makes history by standing guard over the Queen's coffin for vigil of the princess. Um, princess, sorry, of the princess. Uh, and Princess Royal wore her ceremonial navy uniform for the event. Again, another feminist, obviously. Yeah. She's she's very fierce. Um, and she made history by standing. So basically, they had uh, all the children. Um, you know, so King Charles the Third was there with his siblings, the Princess Royal. That's Princess Anne, obviously. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Duke of York, Earl of Wessex. I'm so conscious. I don't want to get anything wrong. Uh, uh, Earl of Wessex took their places in the four sides of the oak coffin, which actually looked really beautiful when you when you saw it. Yeah. Um, and uh, it's the first time that they've had. Uh, normally, it's left to the uh, male uh, family members, but it's the first time that a woman's done this, which obviously in tune with her mother um, making sure that you know women could be in line for the throne as well, yes. um, you know, not just a male thing. So I think that's lovely. Um, and, yeah, can we just big her up? Because she's she's kept out of the limelight uh, a lot, I think, out of choice. And um, she's just brought her children up as kind of normally, as I think, you can under those circumstances. Um, she earns her own money and she's... She's just cool. Why can't we, you know, well, <laughs> see I, more I, of her? I, I wonder whether an elevated role for the Princess Royal might be appropriate. Do you think that Charles might make that happen, Diane? Oh, I think this is a discussion that no doubt at some point they will have. I mean, again, is this part of the new way of how, um, how King Charles is going to do things? Is he going to be more of a collaborative sort of uh, mm. monarch? Because although we had the Queen and many working royals, we always had the Queen mm. sort of full mm. stop, then the line, then everybody mm. else. But perhaps King Charles will sort of decide, no, I want to bring other people in on this and, and we'll see uh, a lot more teamwork or maybe not. Who knows? I mean, but mm. um, yeah, it was... I uh, think we're getting an indication of that might happen because the fact that he's involving the whole... I know it's a yeah. general and everyone's going to be involved, but it feels very much feels like the family are coming together and that mm. maybe there are plans, you know, so I think yeah. you're right. There's, there could be a, a more collaborative, mm. um, you know, kind of family, which would actually would be really charming to see. I agree. Yeah. I mean, I think Prince Andrew is, is a lost hope. <laughs> I don't quite know what's happened to Edward, so I think all eyes on Anne, but uh, watch this space. Um, can we talk about royal titles? This is a story in The Telegraph, Diane. Ah, yes. So, um... So there is a question about Sophie, the Countess of Wessex, uh, potentially gaining uh, a new title if Edward becomes the Duke of Edinburgh. Um, so the reason why the eyes are on Sophie is that Sophie um, has been considered a safe pair of hands. She, um, they're part of the team of the new sort of, they keep calling them the slimmed down working royals. I is it a diet? Yeah, that's what Can I was we thinking. Try this I was, diet? <laughs> you, you, you do a public engagement, yeah. you have a milkshake. You do a public <laughs> engagement, you have a salad. Um, so, um, but the late Prince Philip um, said that he requested that his youngest son uh, would be given the title. So that would that would uh, go to um, Edward, uh, but it went to Charles, and Charles sort of 
uh, King Charles agreed, um, but now sort of King Charles may still retain the title of Duke of Edinburgh. But the thing is, is that I, I think he may be a little bit busy um, being king, uh, but that's, that, that's just me. Uh, we're all... We're all different. I mean, he might be able to multitask better than I can. Well, you, you have to wonder, don't you? Uh, yes, I was reading today that the Queen apparently was very, very fond of Sophie. Oh, it's immensely so. They got very, very close because, sadly, uh, Sophie uh, lost uh, her mother to stomach cancer. Yeah. Um, and um, the Queen sort of just stepped in and was there for Sophie and they developed this really lovely bond. And th th there was a lot of affection between Sophie and the Queen. And so the, the idea that... Um, that Sophie might become the Duchess of Edinburgh kind of sort of sits nicely in the heart. I think that's right. I think it. that's right. And, and, and perhaps that does give Edward a, a new role because I feel he's been the anonymous royal, maybe not of his own making. No, um, no, but, but he, he does think. Perhaps, perhaps Charles needs to think about his role and put him on the map so that he can do some of the heavy lifting. Yeah, and, ju and just like, uh, just like uh, the Queen did a lot for women, so does Sophie. Yeah. Uh, so she sort of, um, she... She um, has worked with sexual violence victims. She's, uh, she's travelled to countries that have been affected by conflict. She founded the Women's Network Forum. Um, she has campaigned for charities for the blind and visually impaired. She really goes for charities that, and causes that really mean something to her. She's not going for what's fashionable. Mm. She's going for something that means something to her. And, and, and what a great person to have. Sort she had of... a career before she became a yeah, royal. She was, so she was her own PR woman person, in her own right. Yeah. 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 Yeah, there you go. Uh, Prince Edward there, somebody uh, rare in the royal family for choosing the right partner, at least among the younger siblings. On to the mirror next. And the late Queen's passing has affected Heinz Ketchup. Diane, I'm oh, intrigued. My word. Yes. So, as we all know, Heinz Ketchup may be forced to change the iconic sauce bottles following the death of the Queen. So, when you get... There are several brands. You know, you have uh, your ketchup, your Weetabix, your all sorts of things. Yeah. And they've got mayonnaise. Mayonnaise. And you've got that lovely little sort of by royal appointment thing. And you go, yes, I'll be eating the same ketchup as the Queen today. Thank you very much. Um, well, because the Queen has sadly passed, according to the Royal Warrant Holders Association, that means that now the warrant is void. So... Ketchup makers, start your engines. Um, essentially, now, um, all of the brands need to reapply. So Twining's Tea, Fortnum & Mason, Waitrose, everybody has to, even Harrods, they have to get up there with the screwdriver. They go, they go, Gary, Gary, have you got the drill? They got to put the ladder against the front of Harrods. They go, me, take down that thing. And then they have to reapply and they have to prove that they um, are actually supplying the royal household because... King Charles. Isn't that wonderful? Well, by royal appointment. So, Gila Kershey and Diane Spencer, thank you so much. Headliners is back tomorrow. The brilliant Andrew Doyle will be hosting. I'm back on Friday, Saturday and Sunday for Mark Dolan tonight. See you Friday at nine.